RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I am your host, Tim Loy, and of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Watts. We've got Greg Hopkins with us here this evening. And to lead off the show, of course, uh, we have got Logan Neal, as promised last week. We said we were going to get him on the line with us, and we've got him here right now. Logan Neal getting ready to make his Bellator debut on just eight days' notice. Um, That's going down uh, this Thursday night when this podcast drops. I guess it'll be, you could say, tonight. Uh, Taking on Aviv Ghazali, undefeated Israeli fighter, uh, submission specialist. Uh, Logan, how's it going, my man? We're talking to you post-weigh-in, so this is, uh, it's rare that we get to talk to somebody this close to fight time uh you know usually we're talking to him like a week out but uh we're less than 24 hours out now man how's it going man it's going great um even though i took this on eight days notice i'm feeling good i'm feeling strong um obviously the gas tank isn't quite where i would want it to be but you know what i'm, I'm here for a fight Absolutely. Let's talk before we get into the the matchup. Let's talk a little bit about just how this all came about, man. You know, you're uh, down in Alabama working uh, out of town, you know, uh, and uh, you got the call was to just kind of walk us through how this whole thing came to be on such uh, such a short uh, time frame. Yeah, man. So uh, I was literally working uh, 60 hours a week in Alabama um, and uh I know one day there, Greg was like, hey, they, they offered me this Bellator fight, and I accepted. And uh, that's whenever, you know, we got the response that they declined Greg. So, obviously, I was like, well, hell, I'll fight him, you know. Like, see, let's, let's line this up. And uh, I guess they accepted, so here we are. <laughs> Talk a little bit about the whole process of getting ready for this fight in eight days. Uh, not only just kind of getting your weight down, but you know you're fighting in uh, Connecticut, uh, the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville. Their commission is one of the uh, one of the tougher commissions out there, and their requirements for uh, licensing uh, are are very thorough. Yeah, exactly. Um, man, we just uh, I was on the job. At, it was like nine thirty that morning when I got the text and. Uh, that's whenever, you know, Tim had told me, uh, hey, you got to get back and get your medicals. So uh, here I am telling my job, you know, hey, I got to go. Now, how did that work out with your work out with your job? Is that, you know, if you working for somebody where they understand that and they work with you, are you in any heat for uh, taking off? Well, it was the union and the job call was originally for like 10 weeks. And but they, they were saying we had another four weeks out there. and We'd been out there for like nine. So I had worked the majority of the job. But, you know, there was a few more weeks left. And uh, I just explained to him, man, this is what I've always wanted. Um, I'm sorry I have to leave you on such short notice, but uh, I've got to go, man. You know, and he, he, he was very understanding and uh, sent me on my way. Nice, nice. So, uh, of course, you're you're coming off. Uh, I guess it's been uh, r- right up close to a year, not quite a year, I don't suppose, since you fought. But uh, you know, the COVID situation has obviously thrown a wrench into a lot of people's training uh, capabilities and their schedules and whatnot. Uh, you know, so it's understandable that you you're on the on the show for a little bit. Uh, have you been able to stay in shape throughout this time, uh, Frank, even with working and whatnot? You've been able to to get to the gym some and kind of stay somewhat sharp. Yeah, for the most part, man. I mean, um, 
obviously when I, I was training quite often, you know, cause I had, I was planning on fighting on the September card and we had some things come up and wasn't able to. So when I came on this job, I was kind of coming out of a three or four week, uh, fight camp there where I'd been training pretty hard. And, um, once I got to Alabama after about the first week, I found a couple of gyms and I was able to train a couple of times a week at least, you know, to where, um, I, I didn't get like the hard cardio sessions in, but I got to get a lot of good sparring in some good mid work. So it, it was kind of like cool how this worked out because it's not like I'm right off of the couch, you know? Yeah. So, you know, let's talk about the match a little bit. You're fighting at 170. Uh, typically, right. you prefer to be down at, at 155. Obviously, on short notice like this, uh, you know, 170 was attainable. 155 probably would not have been. Uh, you know, that said, you're fighting against a guy at, that is also typically a 155. So it's not like you're really having to go up a weight class to fight a guy that is uh, typically at home in that weight class. Right, right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, man, I've always said, like, what, could you imagine the fights that we would have if we didn't do all this weight cutting and everybody just fought what they weighed, right. you know? And so it's kind of cool, man. It's like, I mean, this is what I would be this weight um, on, a, on a regular fight day anyway. So uh, yeah, once the weight cutting's done, you put the weight back on. I usually walk in the cage about 165, 170 anyway. Yeah. So you're fighting Aviv Ghazali, uh, Israeli fighter, BJJ Phenom. Um, his his father is a uh, very decorated black belt. I want to say there may have been a time when they fought together on the same card, and that was like a big deal. Uh, you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about the matchup. You know, he's he's a he's a BJJ uh, wonder wonder kid, if you will. Uh, very uh, very dangerous there. I believe all of his wins are by uh, submission. Uh, maybe even in the first round, uh, he's got the fast the submission in Bellator history. So you obviously know, uh, you know, what his, what his game plan is. Talk a little bit about the matchup, you know, some of the things you've got to worry about with him and some of the things he needs to worry about with you. Yeah, man. Uh, the, the biggest advantage, you know, they asked my, my big advantage was what, what I thought coming into this fight. Um, you know, my biggest advantage in my eyes is he knows nothing about me, you know, and, right. and yes, he's a very decorated Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. I understand that. I'm very, very aware of that. But, you know, I train with some of the best jiu-jitsu guys in the area. Talk a little bit about the experience with Bellator. You know, what's it been working with them? I, uh, you know, we've had, uh, I think uh, we've, you'll be our ninth fighter that we've sent out that way. And you'll be, uh, you'll break that we're four and four, Logan, at this point uh, with uh, the sending fighters up to Bellator. So you'll either, uh, you'll either get us, uh, you can get us above 500, I hope. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about the experience uh, working with Bellator. It is always a first class uh, situation with those guys. Yeah, man, they've been great to us. Um, they paid for the flights out here and everything, man. It's it's just awesome. You know, you, you actually get to live in luxury for a few days. You know, I'm not used to this. I'm from a small town in Georgia. So so to get here to, and experience this casino life and and just uh, t talk with all the Bellator people, man, every, every one of them has been super respectful towards us. Not Not one has disrespected us in any shape, form, or fashion. Now I don't feel for you being quarantined for two days with Greg Hopkins and his uh, his noxious uh, noxious gas from time to time that uh, he will. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, and his uh, his DraftKings man, it, it'll drive you crazy. He's trying, to me how to, he's trying to get me on this DraftKings thing, man, and it's just it's wild. Uh, I don't understand all that stuff, man. I, I just I've never been good at sports. I just I like to fight. <laughs> 
We're super excited to see you throw down, man. Uh, before I let you go, uh, I want to let everybody know this fight goes down on Thursday, the 15th, and that is the day that this podcast drops. So if you're listening to it, be uh, be ready to tune in. Logan is the second bout on the card, so you don't have to sit there all night and get nervous. Uh, he'll be the second bout on the card, and uh, you can catch it, I know for sure, on YouTube on the Bellator channel. Mm-hmm. So uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, send him some good vibes. Logan, uh, before I let you go, I want to let you give some shout outs where they're due. Any uh, friends, family, training partners, sponsors, any love you want to give uh, to, to people that helped you get here, do that. And then uh, finish us off with letting us know where we can follow you on social media. Yeah, man, I would love to thank my team, uh, Go Geek Combatives, um, all of my friends and family. Um you know, all my sponsors, I've got, um, let's say I've got JBI Investments, Hemp House, uh, T. Wallen Construction, uh, Peak Performance, Agogi, um, a Anthony Tompkins Detail, and Carl Logic. Um, they've all, they all actually jumped on board, man, right before this fight. It was kind of uh, short notice, and uh, I, I just want to thank everybody that did help me get here. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at Logan underscore Neil 155. And on Facebook, it's Logan Hunter Neal. Once again, this has been Logan Neal ahead of his Bellator debut. It goes down Thursday, the 15th of October. He's taken on uh, Israeli grappling phenom, Aviv Gozal. You can catch it on YouTube, I know, or maybe on CBS Sports, uh, but I know on YouTube at 7.15. Thanks so much for the time, Logan. Best of luck. We're going to be rooting for you, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Tim. All right. Thanks so much to Logan Neal for joining us this evening and chatting a little bit ahead of that fight. We're going to get into that fight and all of uh, the Bellator and UFC action coming up this weekend in just a moment. But first, we're going to uh, backtrack a little bit and visit the UFC Fight Island event that just went down this past Saturday night. It was an ESPN Plus card, and it was headlined by a, a bantamweight bout between two top contenders in Corey Sandhagen. And Marlon Marais, uh, man, tell you what, uh, San Hagen looked like a million bucks out there. Marais never could get it going uh, in the fight in the second round, a minute in with a uh, wheel kick knockout, a thing of beauty. Um, man, just a, a big win for Corey Sandhagen. And I just got to ask, where was that Corey Sandhagen against Aljamain Sterling? If uh, that, that Sandhagen had showed up, then we might be having a completely different conversation uh, than uh, Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling, which has finally been booked uh, for UFC 256. As of like yesterday, that fight hadn't even been booked yet. And so there was still speculation they were going to give it to Aljo, but they finally did. Uh, Sandhagen, I assume, will be waiting the winner. Justin, your thoughts on this main event and the repercussions for uh, both guys? Man, it's kind of wild, you know, thinking about Sandhagen coming off of a fight like that to get booked was potentially a bigger fight. You know, Marlon was ranked higher in the rankings um, than Aljo was. So, um, and then to do this, it, it cleared the way for Aljo. I think that's kind of what they were waiting on. I think if Marlon would have gotten a big finish here, coming off of a win technically over Aldo, who, you know, he beat Aldo, then they gave Aldo the title shot because they, they said he did Aldo actually won the fight. So that was Marais's last fight, you know. So I think they were kind of waiting for this fight to go through to make the announcement. Um, and Sandhagen, I mean, he was pretty dominant there. I think that uh, the reason he wasn't like that with Aljo is because Aljo's just a little bit better. Aljo, you know, it was a split-second mistake that Aljo capitalized on early in the fight. Um, it's just something that happens. I think that was Corey's first loss. 
Um, but he looked great here, man. Uh, with him with that that spin and heel kick at the end of the second round, you know, but he, he was, you know, won the first round. Um, I, I thought pretty decisively uh, as far as the, you know, it was just completely a striking affair, and um, you know, he was he was getting the better of that. So I think it was a huge win for him. Um, he called out a couple guys afterwards that I think was a great call out. Uh, so I think, you know, I, I think the night was, was definitely Corey Sandhagen's tough loss for Marlon Marais. You think the UFC wanted Marais to win? Maybe I do. I, I feel like they do. I don't, I'm not really sure why. Um, I, I've tried to, to think about the angles just as a fan. Um, but you know, like, so if, if, if Marais wins and gets a dominant victory, then maybe they put him against Peter Young, but I don't really see why they would do that. I don't really see the market value in it. Um, and there's, there's not like, you know, I think that Aljo is a little more politically tied to the UFC than, than Marlon is. So I don't, I don't know why they were trying to skip over Aljo, but, but at the same time, you know, Marlon did head kick Aljo. I think they just, I think they were just giving Marlon the opportunity to say, Hey, look, but I think they gave him a tough task. So maybe not, maybe, maybe the reason they put Marlo Marlon in this fight was, you know, to say, look, you beat Aljo, but Aljo just did this to this guy. See what you can do to him. Right. And, um, and it didn't work out for him, but he wasn't himself. He, he didn't, he didn't fight like the normal Marlon Marais, but I think that was because he knew how good Sandhagen was. Greg, uh, your thoughts on, uh, Corey Sandhagen here, uh, a big win for him. And, uh, you know, also curious, uh, are you intrigued by the, uh, Aljamain Sterling, Peter Yon fight? Is that a fight that you as a fan are excited for? Cause for me, I don't know that I really, I mean, it's the fight to make. I'm not, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve the fight, but I don't know that that's like a pay-per-view headliner type fight. I've, I saw a headline about them talking. Am I wrong? I thought I saw another fight uh, that for uh, for Peter Yan that looked more intriguing than one we're talking about. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure that today they. I'm pretty sure today they announced that they were doing Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yan at two fifty. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't been on social media since like three, two, or two days ago or something. I'm telling you, I've been running around and like, Tim, you know me, uh, Justin, you know me. I'm the most unorganized motherfucker you've ever seen in your life. I have no, no routine life at all, and this whole gig up here has been nothing but a transition for me and it's really i mean like it's all different so like i, I haven't even been online but i thought i saw somebody else uh, but uh <clears throat> i mean it's it, i'm not really i mean algerman sterling is he uh is he ready for a title shot is that is that deserved is am i Hell no yeah. not yet yeah i mean i think Do you think so you know, ranking, yeah. wise, ranking wise and the guys that he's beat, I think that he deserves it. I just think that the UFC is hesitant to pull the trigger because I don't know that they see him as a draw. I think know? the only reason that they were hesitant to pull the trigger is because his last loss was to Marais. Marais beat him with a head kick and Marais beat Aldo and then Aldo got the title shot. This is the this is the next title shot after that. So it's pretty hard to say, okay, Marais, even though you won a fight and then got skipped over, now we're going to skip over you again. Right. So I think Marais had to fight. <clears throat> so I think if, if Marlon Marais had won, they would have had to have given him the fight due to the technicalities, you know, looking back. But they gave him a hell of an opponent, you know, to give him Corey mm-hmm. Sandhagen. You know, Aljo made Corey look bad, but like I said, it was a split second mistake that Corey made now Joe jumped on it so then to give Marlon Sandhagen say okay look you you think this is your shot you saw what 
Aljo did to him. Let's see what you can do to him. And I think that was all they were waiting on. And as soon as this was done, they said, Aljo, you're in. I don't I don't know who else could even possibly. Yeah. I don't even know who, who else could even be possibly in the discussion for it. Yeah, looking back now, it was Sterling. I just, I brain fart right there. It was Sterling. I'll just be Sterling. I'm sorry. But yeah, uh, I, I mean, I'm not ready for that one yet. I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe in time come December, maybe I will be ready for it. But. Co-main event, it was Edson Barbosa with a uh, unanimous decision win over Makwan Amirkani. I was on the wrong side of that one. Um, I, I actually did play Barbosa on my DFS, but uh, I, I thought Amirkani at the odds, it was a pretty good value on him. Uh, you know, I think uh, I was blinded a little bit in Barbosa just being in a little bit of a slide, but a slide to the elite of the world. And uh, I guess this was a uh, indicator that uh, Amirkani is not in that group just yet. Uh, nice win for Barboza. He needed it. And uh, he, he kind of uh, writes the ship a little bit after some talk of him wanting out of his contract or retiring. Your thoughts on this one, Justin? I was on the wrong side of this one too, man. Um, I thought Edson looked amazing. He smashed Americani. Um, I thought, you know, the only the only submission attempt in this fight was by Barbosa. Um, as as Americani was shooting in, I think he landed a few takedowns, but Barbosa was able to get back to his feet well um, and then just shut off a master class with striking. I think Amir Khani is still there, but Edson Barbosa is a problem in this division. Um, I'm not sure. You know, in the last fight, he fought Dan Ige, uh, and the, the, the judges gave the fight to Ige. And if you look at any, you know, if you, if you look at the, the media, if you look at, like, verdict, MMA, I mean, Edson Barbosa won that fight undeniably. Um, and I think that he's a problem in this weight division. Um, I didn't think that was really going to be the case being as you know, he's, he's further along in his, in his career, uh, a little longer in the tooth, but he's moving down and, and, and making waves, which is, you know, not what you commonly see, you, you know, guys moving up normally as they get older, but, um, to move down and, and to still, to even look as good or better than he did uh, at your weight classes is pretty good, you know, and he was coming off of a couple of losses that could have, they were both split decisions and could have gone either way. So um, it was a big win for him. And, and I think he looked good taking Americani out. In the feature bout, it was a heavyweight contest with another upset, Martin Tibura, with a unanimous decision win over Big Ben Rothwell. Rothwell was in the first round, kind of drowning him with volume, but second, third round, Tibura was able to kind of turn it on. And a uh, big win for him, honestly, because uh, he enters the top 15 now. He's at number 14, I think. And, uh, you know, it's uh, a little bit of a resurgence for him to be able to get a couple more big fights. Uh, I think a loss here would have probably been the end of his uh, potential run. Not saying he's got a lot of potential potential to make a run but he's going to get get some fights to try to try to show it uh you know rockwell tough loss here for him um i really thought he would get this one just on size uh that's yeah so other than tom aspinall um the main event was the only one i got right on the whole night so i, I thought <laughs> i thought Miracon was gonna win i thought that uh ben rothwell was gonna win in the first round rothwell threw like 150 punches uh in the first round which is unheard of for heavyweights but um, Tiberius is just so athletic. I thought that size was going to be a big factor here, um, but but it ended up being volume. Tiberius was was just just landed more in the long run. Um, you know, Rothwell I think won the first round, and 
then Ty Beer won the second and third because he was able to, to last. I think Rothwell thought that, that he was going to um, be able to finish him. Um, and I think the third round may have even been a, a 10 8 uh, for Ty Beer. So. Uh, that was a big statement, man. I was I was riding the fence going into this one um, on my picks, and uh, I went the wrong way. Also, we got to see the debut of another middleweight uh, contender now as Adrigas Duplessis uh, with a first-round knockout over Marcus Perez. Perez came into the weigh-ins with the Joker get-up and really just got murked out there. Um, the Duplessis, the uh, South African, now 15-2. and two, And, man, that middleweight division, there's just – we talk about it a lot. There's just a, 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 a whole lot of really, really good, exciting young talent that has uh, entered into that middleweight division. Makes for a lot of uh, exciting uh, potential fights. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, wrong again for me. Picked Marcus Perez early in the fight. Perez was was did he looked great to me? I thought that he was gonna uh, win, and then I don't know. It was just something happened, and he got caught with a punch kind of over the years. He was I don't really know what he was even doing. He was kind of turning sideways and got clipped with a funny punch, and um, that was it. Dukasi just uh, Dukasi, whatever his name is, just kind of poured it on him from that point. But um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it, it wasn't a super impressive uh, performance for me. But he got the win, so we'll see where uh, where he goes from here. No surprise in uh, the heavyweight bout preceding that. Tom Aspinall with a uh, dominant uh, TKO win over uh, Alan Baudot, who falls to eight and two in his uh, UFC debut. Aspinall now with two first round finishes. I'd like to see him take a step up in competition, but he's an exciting one, man. He's one that uh, you know he's put together and uh, and and makes for an exciting fight, you know. So uh, I, I mean, I'm, I hope we get a quick turnaround out of him. Maybe they keep him on Fight Island, and give him another one. Yeah, this is the only other uh, correct selection I made on on the main card. Um, Aspinall looked good. It's kind of what I expected. I think that uh, Bordeaux was was kind of spoon fed to him. Um, I think that he's uh, probably going to be a, a pretty good prospect for the UFC to push to um, as far as marketability goes. Um, and you know, I, but I, I agree. I think that he should get a, a pretty significant step up in competition right now. At heavyweight, though, there's not a ton. So um, he was calling for Sergey Spivak. Spivak, okay. Well, that's not. Which a, is, I mean, it's a little step up, but it's yeah, a little, yeah, still not not enough. Yeah, it's not. No, it's not a very great step up. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that you know, you come off two knockouts. You're, he's, you know, he's pretty hyped up. Give him a top fifteen guy. If I was him, that's what I would want. You know, um, the UFC maybe not, maybe won't see it that way. You think about a guy like uh, Sean O'Malley, who's, you know, kind of like that. That they want to, they want to build slow, so they just give them some some unranked guys. You know, three or four of them just to to run through, kind of like the boxing days. But um, I think, fuck it, man, go ahead and throw him to the top, and you know, give him somebody in the top fifteen and see where he's at. It's heavyweights. There's not a ton of guys up there, you know. So um, I think he's he's got as good a shot as any of them. Uh, leading off the main card, uh, man, very impressive debut for Ilya Topuria, who wins the unanimous decision win over Yusuf Zalau as an underdog. I liked him a lot uh, as the underdog coming into this when he gets it done. And, man, we may have us uh, a little rise. You know, it, it may be a little early to say. Uh, Zalau is a really tough out. Um, good win for his debut. Is uh, is Topuria the, the real deal, Justin? Is he going to be a guy that uh, makes a run? 
Yeah, man. I saw, um, you know, we're in a, we're in a pick'em's league together and, um, I saw that you took Tapura, you know, when I submitted my picks and I was like, damn, maybe he saw something that I didn't see because Yusuf Zalal is, is a top prospect. I didn't put a whole lot of homework into it. I didn't see anything of Tapura coming into this. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a dominant performance to get the decision over Zalal, who is a hot prospect. Um, so I, I think that, you know, that's, it's a massive win for him and it does a lot for his career for sure. Prelims, uh, the headliner, it was uh, Tom Breeze getting a very dominant first-round TKO over KB Bueller, who to me didn't look like he belonged. He didn't look very good. Uh, and Breeze is a guy that there was a lot of question marks about him coming in, just his mental state. You know, he, he got ran pretty good by Brendan Allen, but there's no shame in that. You know, Allen's a very good prospect. But, uh, you know, he would had to pull out of fights in the past with anxiety issues. But, man, he looked like a million bucks out there over a guy that was, uh, you know, not really on the level, I don't think. But a good confidence-building win for Tom Breeze. And, I mean, looking at this guy, I mean, this guy's yoked up. Monster at 185. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tom Breeze is, is he's a guy that's kind of got – all the talent in the world is just kind of getting the mental, um, you know, to the same level as that. And in this fight, I think he had everything together and, uh, you know, he, he looks phenomenal here. Before that, we had a heavyweight knockout. Chris Dalkus with a knockout win over Rodrigo Nascimento is a pretty good underdog. Man, I was on Dalkus all week and really felt good about that. And somehow I let myself get talked off of it in, uh, in being essentially all in on Nascimento, <laughs> which uh, sucked real bad. And then we had two knockouts back to back before that was a knockout of the year or decade even candidate as uh, Joaquin Buckley it's a, uh, a jump spinning back kick after after Impa Kasunga and I caught his kick. He hits like I guess what can best be described as like a, a like a WWE like insecurity. <laughs> <laughs> it was something else and a uh, big win for Buckley, dude. Because you know Impa was the guy that I'm sure that they were looking to showcase here. He was a better than two to one favorite, more like two to two and a half to one. And uh, man, Buckley really kind of. Made his way there. I mean, that's a knockout that is going to be on UFC highlight reels for the rest of your days. Greg, what did you think about that one? Oh, the spinning back kick, man. That was dope. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that from a big fella like that. Um, yeah. Talk about knockout of the decade, man. I, I don't know if we're going to have one top that one for a really long time. If y'all can think of one that's happened in the past 10 years, which I'm sure that that's awesome. But... Not nothing that spectacular that may you know everybody's jaw dropped and opened their eyes. Just holy shit! And uh, speaking of knockouts, man, there was a lot of finishes on this card. Um, a lot more than you know I'd come to expect to believe. And uh, I remember going over my DK last year, but uh, our last last week or whatnot. But with that being said, uh, I was not on Buckley at all. I don't know how many people were on Buckley. Were you guys on Buckley last week? I, I don't know. I was, I was not. I, I was not. I um. I I was really tempted. Uh, again, this is one of those things where, like, all week long, I was like, man, if Buckley wins, he's going to knock him. I didn't expect that yeah. kind of knockout, but I thought that if he did win, I could see it, it would be something like a big knockout that would score points. So I was thinking about it. I I didn't have Kasunga and I either. I, I kind of avoided the fight because I thought that uh, if Impa won, it was going to be kind of a slow, grindy, not high scoring affair. So, uh, man, I sure wish I. I did uh, take Buckley because the people uh, he was pretty low owned from what I gathered. And the people that took him probably jumped to the top and uh, won some money. Oh, yeah, I thought I'm, about I'm, I thought about taking Buckley just because I knew he was going to be coming hard with pressure. 
and just throwing big shots. It's, it's kind of what I thought. And for Impa being they were they were similar size, I thought that Buckley might catch him, but I, yeah, I definitely didn't think that anything like that was coming. Uh, we'll see. Before that, we had Tony Kelly with the unanimous decision win over Ali Al Casey. Uh, man, Al Casey's a he's a fucking weird, creepy looking. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he is. looks like an assassin. Yeah, he looks like an Albanian in the middle of like the night. An, kill you. Yeah, like an man, Albanian I was, assassin. I was on Ali Ali Casey only because it was over there in his general area, and I figured that if it came down to the decision, they would totally toss him that one for free. Now, when that it was. Huh? That wouldn't have surprised it, me. It wouldn't have surprised me. That's what I'm saying. But when the, and I mean, they gave Tony Kelly one judge gave him a thirty to twenty seven, and I thought maybe for sure, uh, Casey got one round. You know, and both the other two judges agreed. But I was just like, you know, and hell, you see, you seen the looks in both of their eyes whenever they said thirty twenty seven, and yeah. Alec Casey for some reason thought that he was just going to fucking take that one. And, uh, <laughs> but I mean, like, but shouts out to Tony Kelly in the end of the fight, man. What was up with that bullshit, man? I mean, now and Tony was just calling the pussy and letting him know, like, dude, you, if you if you want to fight, show up the fight. If you yeah. want to fucking dance, go fucking dance. I mean, like, and and and, and I, I can respect that too because until uh, that the end of that fight, I just uh, I, I thought that maybe he had, you know, maybe he's a little more than into the eye, but he had creepiest fucking. He looks so weird. Like he's like one of those guys you look into, you can see deep into his dark eyes, and you're like, dude. Fucking don't even look at you. You're weird. So yeah. like, yeah, it's creepy as shit. And uh, I will not be, not be on him. I, I thought that maybe on DraftKings, I believe his uh, his his price tag was uh, I got it right here because I have him in my lineup. Price tag was seventy five hundred, which I thought was you know decent. I thought he would catch value, and he ended up scoring 40, 45 and a half points, which was okay. But I think for seventy five hundred, I don't think you're gonna do a whole lot better unless they won the fucking fight. So even if so, he would have got 75.5 with a 30 points in decision. And uh, I don't know. I don't think he got his value there and never will he again. I don't think so. So we'll, be, we'll not be on him ever again. Giga Chikadze with the unanimous decision went over Omar Morales. I was on the wrong side of that one. Chikadze looked pretty good. I, I wasn't sold on him until this. Uh, Tracy Cortez with the decision went over Stephanie Egger. Egger really just didn't have an answer for the takedowns and just wasn't able to threaten off of her back. Uh, and then uh, the opener, uh, Tagir Ulinbekov, Ulin uh, the cousin of uh, Khabib, uh, wins his UFC debut, unanimous decision win over uh, a very game and tough Bruno Silva. Uh, any thoughts on the rest of these prelims, Justin? I was surprised by uh, the toughness of Bruno Silva. If I'm honest, I think that... Uh, Thought that that Tiger was gonna was gonna handle him pretty well, you know. Coming into the UFC, he, this kid looked like he was uh, on a run, and I, I just haven't been impressed with Bruno Silva so far. But um, he definitely impressed me in this fight, just being able to to hold his own enough. Um, Tiger is, I, I think he's he's, you know, it, a, it's a it's not a very stacked division, and I think that he can easily work him way his way up to the top of this division. Um, I thought it was a good fight by uh, Chikadze, and um, yeah, I had Cortez, and um, you know, she she was able to to ride out the decision, and 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 she definitely looked the best of the night. 
All right, that's going to do it for our recap of UFC Fight Island uh, number five, I guess that was. Uh, we're moving on to our preview before we wind up tonight's show. Uh, we've got a couple of shows we're going to preview for this weekend. Of course, Bellator 249 goes down Thursday night. You can catch it on PBS Sports Network, the prelims on YouTube. And, of course, we just spoke to one of the participants in the prelim bout, uh, the second prelim bout of the night, Logan Neal. Uh, let's go through this one real quick, gentlemen. We've got um, the uh, the main event for this one is uh, Cyborg, uh, uh, Christine Cyborg, uh, defending her uh, featherweight title for the first time against the 10 to one Arlene Blinko of Australia. Uh, Justin, uh, pretty wide odds here. Uh, it's hard to, hard to, hard to bet much either way on this one. Is Blinko a live dog or nah? Mm, nah, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to match cyborg outside the UFC. It's, it's pretty hard to match cyborg inside the UFC. And then to match her outside the UFC is, um, a little wild. So, yeah, I think that that she probably gets a dominant performance here and and uh, solidifies herself as the fedor of the women. You know, just uh, the goat who never proved themselves. Greg, you're out there uh, at Bellator as we speak. I'm sure you've ran across Cyborg and uh, all the uh, goings on. What's your take on this main event, and how cool is it to be out there on a on a card uh, where uh, you know, I guess, uh, arguably, uh, you know, the, one of the greatest uh, fighters of all time is headlining. Yeah, uh, we actually walked by her in the lobby. She's on the same floor as so us. We walked by her multiple times, and. Uh, I'm not one for like, you know, saying hi to people because I'm never really starstruck, but Logan Neal on the other hand, he's just, oh man, no oh man, I want to meet everybody, want to meet everybody, want to meet everybody. And we walked by and Big John McCartney was downstairs uh, yesterday morning and Logan immediately was like, oh my God, Greg, that's Big John McCartney. And I was like, yeah, he's having a conversation with some people. Let's keep going. So I walking and I turned, her, I turned around and Logan's nowhere to be found. And I looked over and he's over there shaking hands with, you know, Big John. And he's like, hey, I'm Logan Neal. And he's like, John, you know, yeah, nice to meet you. And walked away and Logan just had to smile ear to ear. And I was like, I mean, like, it's not that big of a deal. He's just another guy. And as we're walking back, Logan leaves me. I don't know if he's a little upset at me or whatever. But then I see Chelsea on and I instantly, I got to get my picture taken with this. <laughs> <laughs> he's a big wrestler. So, like, That's then I saw Logan laughing. the picture. Anyways. Let's go back to Cyborg. Yeah, dude, I, we've seen both of them, you know, on the floor, man. And and uh, it, 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 Cyborg's more of a uh, one one word reaction. You know, we said hey to her, she's uh, and just kept walking. You know, now, Arlene, on the other hand, she is a sweet. She was sweet, man, and she's uh, you know, it's just you know, these these larger than life people are, you know, they're just normal people like us. You know, like I mean, it's just really, it's really uh, it's humbling to come here and see uh, what what kind of level we're on at the moment, and and can only continue from here. So. Uh, yeah, big. It's it's really cool, man, being up there in Connecticut, get to see all these and this. You know, you know Pitbull, man, and, and Jalil Will. I, I mean, uh, let's let's go on. We'll keep going. But yeah, as far as Cyborg goes, man, I mean, you can't, you cannot bet against her. But you also don't want to bet on her right now. I mean, if, if they have some profit, huh? It's hard to hard to bet her at minus eleven hundred though, too. Oh yeah, she is. Yeah, I mean, not, uh, the profits are not like up there. So if you could get a finish. On Cyborg, yeah. I, I would think that she could probably get an early finish, to be honest, because Arlene is going to come in. Uh, just she's a striker. She's from yeah. Australia. She's just going to be hammering down. And you can't stand with Chris Cyborg. You cannot stand with her. I mean, she's her size like forty-five pounds. Size like is she? Is she big lady? She's tiny, man. She's a little oh. bitty woman. That's what. Mm-hmm. That's what really blew me away when I walked by her. She was holding a, a gallon jug of water. 
and that gallon jug is as big as your waist. I was like, dude, on, you know, on TV in the octagon or in the cage, she's a larger than life. But when you walk by her, she's a little lady, and uh, that's what she was, man. It was it's, it's just crazy. It's but uh, yeah, it's, that's an eye opener to say the least. But I don't think Arlene will have a lot for. Her. Would I like to see her upset? God, yeah, I'd love to see somebody upset Chris Cyborg right now, but it's not going to happen on this. Cyborg has a prolific favorite. Do you know what that means, Greg? Prolific favorite? Yeah. yeah. Now minus twelve hundred. I mean, like, do you know what that means? I, I mean, you, do you know what prolific means? No, it's one word that I do not know. I know every other word though. In the world. <laughs> okay. I think it's like a big deal, like very, uh, um, like in the what I would think, like in the public eye. Um, no, more means like <clears throat> she's too heavy to bet. You you could never bet on her because she could get beat, but. She's probably not going to, but she's so big of a favorite that you, you couldn't bet on her. So she's a prolific favorite. I gotcha. She's even hard to parlay. You're, you're, yeah, you're going to stay away from. Yeah, she's even hard to parlay. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't want to parlay some at minus 1,200. It has an extra, what, uh, 100, not even 100, well, like 10, I mean, extra 10. I mean, you could parlay here with with Logan, and, and that's a pretty fucking good parlay, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I'll probably Logan man. with a few people on this card. Like, I think Logan stands a great chance. Let's move on. Yeah, we'll go. So do get, I. That, that's what I'm saying. So do I. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I think that Logan stands a real good chance, man. Because the stand-up game, dude. Aviv Gonzalez has no, and this is not just saying coming from Logan's corner, man. I'm talking about just if this is an outsider looking in and not knowing he's a guy. If I watch Aviv, I look at their records. I look at Logan Neverger. He's on one to know, man. He's a deceptive one to know. He's a he's a deceptive. Uh, you know, he's got deceptive reach. And well, let's, let's save this for when we get to the when we get that fight because we're we're gonna get we're gonna yeah. get down to that fight Wait. and we'll give us some of the some material. Uh, Co-main event is a 155 pound fight. The aforementioned Patricky Pitbull, Greg says, uh, on the scene down there, taking on uh, the Jaleel Willis, who uh, just signed with Bellator. You know, he's the LFA champion at 170. Willis misses weight here, comes in at 159, yeah. and uh, you know, coming into this fight, I thought Willis's size would be kind of his best uh, angle to victory as being able, maybe being able to smother Pitbull. Um, you know, he did look like he was in good shape, but missing weight is definitely uh, not a good sign. He, he didn't look like he was, you know, struggling uh, from what I could gather on the ceremonial way. And so I didn't get to see him there at the real way to see if he was just really sucked out and looking bad. But, uh, you know, he did look to be a decent, a decent bit bigger than Patricky Pitbull in the faceoffs. But man, uh, talk about a, uh, Huge step up in class as far as opposition goes. Uh, Patricky Pitbull, one of the best in the world. Yeah, man, that's uh, this is this is a crazy one. Jaleel is he's got a major opportunity ahead of him, um, and I think he's got the size advantage. Um, I think that the biggest dif- differential is probably going to be in the jujitsu. Uh, but if if Jaleel can can keep it on the feet and and uh, I think he, he might have uh, a good shot at, at finishing Patricky here. Jaleel Willis uh, is about plus 260, uh, 250, and uh, Pitbull about minus 300. Greg, uh, you've gotten to see these guys in person. How do they uh, How do they look? Uh, I mean, Pitbull looks looks ready to go. Uh, Willis looks ready to go, but I will say this. Uh, despite him losing weight, I mean, missing weight, man, um, there's no excuse for that, especially at this level. And I can tell you exactly why, because I'm sitting here right now and Logan had to lose his, you know, seven, eight pounds or whatever and whatnot. There's no excuse not to make weight here. And I'm going to tell you why, because I give you your own personal fucking sauna. 
like they give you a sauna to take home with you. So if you can't make weight, like there's got to be a reason why and something's going on because they give you, I mean, like you're in a bubble here, guaranteed like that. It sucks, man. You're sitting in a room for two days and you don't have to, you can't do this, can't do that. But when they do let you out, you have from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. to go do whatever you need to do in your little locker room. And your little locker room is little. It's about a, um, you know, 15 foot by 15 foot little uh, curtained off room, but you have your own personal sauna and you have your own personal mat. So there's no reason why you shouldn't make weight. Uh, I don't, I, I, I'd like to hear from him personally on why he missed weight and how he missed weight because four pounds is a, a lot of weight to do. But uh, with that being said, I think we're going to see a good fight right there. Big, big, huge first fight in Bellator for uh, Jaleel Willis, man. And I'm, I mean, it's, uh, it's, this whole card is kind of coming together. The more I look at it, it's, uh, you, you know, you got a lot of guys on here that are familiar names, Sada Wad and everything too. But, uh, I'm happy to see us, uh, get some of the, uh, the local or more local guys around, you know, the South, South, uh, Southeast region to get up here and get these chances. But when you do get those chances, don't come in overweight because you're going to spoil it for the rest of the people that are looking at that shot. The rest of the main card, we have Ricky Bandejas taking on uh, Pitbull's training partner, Leandro Ego. Um, that's a Bantamweight fight. And then, uh, like Greg said, Saad Awad out there at 155 taking on the Canadian prospect, Mandel Nalo. Uh, Justin, any thoughts on these? Uh, I, I'm curious. I've always heard that Awad is like a pretty fucking big 155. Are he a pretty big dude uh, for 155, Greg? Yeah, he's fucking huge. Yeah, I've always he's not, heard he's not tall, but he's fucking huge. He's five eleven, man. He's a big guy. I'm yeah. pretty sure Saad used to fight at one seventy um, coming up, but so I would imagine so. But fight of the night, man. I can go ahead and tell you right now, Ricky Medejas and Leandro Hugo. Um, that's gonna be a fucking war, dude. Uh, and those guys are gonna be looking to see who's the next um, number one contender at bantamweight. I think. Archuleta. Yeah. The preliminary card is what we want to talk about. Uh, pretty decent little prelim card. Uh, I know that and they, it lost Joe Schilling. Joe Schilling was supposed to be on this card, and his fight ended up falling off this week. But uh, we got heavyweight Sean Teed against Steve Mowry. Steve Mowry's undefeated 7-0. and He's the prospect here, and he looked like he was really put together from uh, what I could see. Big dude. Uh, Joseph Creer, he's from down in, uh, down in Georgia. Uh, Joseph Creer down in uh, Augusta, Georgia. So he's from that NFC and uh, conflict scene down there. We know of him. Good luck to him. He's he's in there tough. He's taking on Andrew uh, Capel, who is 15 and 7, and he's making a quick turnaround. He just fought John Salter back in August, and he lost. So he's uh, turning around quick here. Um, also on the card, Kyle Crutchmer, undefeated wrestler, 6 and 0, oh, uh, welterweight, taking on Kimron Lachinov. Christian Edwards, undefeated light heavyweight. Uh, he's a, uh, one of the main training partners of John Jones, I know. Uh, uh, and he's taking on Hamza Salim. Damon Blackshear, uh, I want to say he's out of North Carolina, Virginia area. He's taking on Mike Kimball at, uh, at a catchweight of 140. Uh, of course, uh, the aforementioned Logan Neal takes on the undefeated Israeli grappling uh, phenom Aviv Gozali at 170. And then uh, we get kicked off with a couple upside down guys. Albert Gonzalez takes on Castrot Jima. Um, I'll, I'll go to, uh, we'll talk to Greg about uh, the, the Logan Neal fight more in detail like we were getting ready to, but I'll get your uh, thoughts on things first, Justin, on this undercard. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I don't have anything to say about any other fight um, other than Logan Neal and, and Aviv Ghazali. Uh, I think Aviv Ghazali made a mistake here, and uh, this is going to be a 
a bad night for him. I think Logan, Logan Neal is going to come out and, and, and show himself and uh, make a name. Greg, your thoughts on the way this uh, fight breaks down? We were getting into it a little bit earlier, but, uh, you know, Ghazali, not really a not really a decorated wrestler per se. Uh, I think uh, Logan can, uh, you know, make him pay and make him respect his power and not be able to just take the fight where he wants it to be so easily. Then, uh, you know, Logan's certainly live here. Yeah, I want to touch on on this thought with uh, this thought with Aviv and Logan. We'll go ahead and get this out of the way. If there's a couple more, I want to touch base on. But after we get off of this, but Aviv Gonzalez, he's still a child. He's 19 years old. Uh, like you said, I'm not sure if he's bit off more than he can chew, but he's definitely taking a big fucking bite here. And uh, and everybody keeps talking. And then you know, and on TM, you said it yourself just now. The undefeated Aviv Gonzalez. Everybody keeps talking about the undefeated Logan Neal is undefeated. People are not saying that you know what i'm saying yeah. he's got one fight but he's still got a zero in there so i mean like like justin said i, I think that uh if logan can stick to the to the game plan stick and move you know obviously stay away from the ground but i mean logan's class on the ground uh but with that being said we obviously know where we don't want the fight to go and we know that aviv has never been tagged he's never been put in adversity he's never been he's never been put in a spot and yeah uh, and, and Logan mentioned that they, 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 you know, I got off, you know, offered it or whatnot, and I got declined. And uh, to be honest, and uh, I know, I know that you guys were talking to Logan. I didn't get to hear because he took my phone. But um, I think, and, and I hate to say this about myself, but I think Aviv may have had a better shot at beating me than he does Logan, just because of the way our styles are. I definitely would just want to go to the ground and try to fuck him up. That's what I, I want to do. And you know, you I what now? Did you say thing. something about that? Yeah, well, I, I mean that's that. what I, I, that's what I would do. I would I would I literally know. try to just fuck him up. And like Logan's not going to try to go to the ground. He's going to try to be you know finesse him on his feet. And I was just like, I, I don't want to change your game plan, Logan. I want you to do what you do. But I do want you to quit being a fucking sweetheart to every fucking body all the time. And just he's such a nice guy. Logan has just got a nice streak in him. And I swear to God, we're going to have to change his name to the Happy Meal Deal because he's always so fucking happy, man. And he's always just mm. in a good mood. And you can't piss that guy off. Like the other night, we were sitting there and like, he could piss you off though. We were sitting there and I was gambling, you know, and I, I made over the weekend, let me tell you, dude, I made some money on that UFC card and I don't know fucking how. I was uncomfortable with all my bets, but I won 500 bucks. And I was just sitting there and Logan was opening it. And so, anyways, go back, fast forward. Yeah, I fucking lost all of them, the fucking Dodgers and then the fucking uh, the Bills the next two, not all of it, just back to back. And then you look up and the fucking, uh, the fucking Braves are going to be 15 to 1 tonight. I was like, yeah, that's what you fucking get, you piece of shit. Sorry, I'm getting mad about that. But like, like I said, Logan, Logan, He's got a big fight coming up, man, and I think that if he was bit off a little bit more, and uh, and, and and with the big cage, we haven't got to see Logan in the big cage since his fight in Brainerd uh, against Jeremy Mitchell. I think we did. Do we have the big cage at that fight? I didn't get yes. to see it really. So, uh, yes. but yeah, it was- yeah, what, yeah. So he's had the experience in the bigger cage, and he has the experience to, like, to be able to move around a bigger cage. And I'm just excited to see him. And we were the first night. First fight of the night until we got bumped at the second one, and which I'm going to go into transition to that. But the two fights that I am looking forward to on the prelims, and that's Joseph Career and Andrew Tappel. That is two man. Joseph Career is a very tall, uh, tall middleweight man. He's a big one, and I mean, but that's one that I'm excited to see right there. Mm-hmm. They, I got to see some of the guys that he trains with. He's training with some top notch wrestlers that are somehow down in Columbus, Georgia, but they're from, you know, national runners up from Missouri. And then you got wrestlers from Iowa that are at his camp that just happen to fall in place there. Yeah. And, uh, 
and they have a and it's, it's down there and like there's like a uh, there's some big uh, like base tra- uh, basic training camp down there or something so they have so many guys coming out of basic training and and on their base that need to go train somewhere so they just have bodies coming through all the time that they just get to fight fight guys that want to fight they're in the army they're in the military they want to they want to fight so they're coming to show up and now they get a lot of looks and i just got to talk to those guys so i'm really looking forward to joseph career and andrew Cable. but back down to the very first fight of that crash droid zima guy i call him cast dude man but uh, albert gonzalez is the first fight of the night and that's going to be a fucking banger i know they both got upside down records but you're talking about two fucking killers i haven't been yeah. excited about a bellator card like this since i couldn't tell you when and it's not just because my homeboys on there this one's actually decent like it's actually put together and the more and more it comes to it you're going to see and i'm i'm just anxious to see if we get to actually watch them in person or if we have to sit back in the back and watch from the screen because we're the second fight up and i just uh, and we haven't got to go to the casino not once we've been here it's all been a bubble we have been we have wow. been secluded to, to to not doing anything and 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 I've always wondered at big sporting events, like, why don't you ever see these people walking around or doing this? And because they don't fucking let them. They keep them cooped up and they don't, they don't let them out. So I'm learning all this now, and it's cool. And you mentioned Joe Schilling earlier. He was uh, he was denied his spotting license. I'm assuming he has a medical hold or something from another state, and that would be yeah, he's likely a that would be pretty badass. Yeah, that would have been badass, and we were looking forward to that. And uh, but don't get the Mallory. Is he pretty big, dude? Uh, let me. Who is it now? Steve Mowry, seven and zero heavyweight. He's like the heavyweight feature. He looked huge. What? What? Where is he at? Right here, Steve Mowry. Yeah. yeah uh, I haven't seen. I haven't seen him yet, but I saw. Uh, oh no 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 no! I've seen him back there. His hands are fucking huge. Like I seen his clubs, and he was just standing there hitting mitts. That's a big he dude, man. A lot bigger than his. Six than eight. Other. He was. Yeah. He was a very large creature, man. <laughs> and uh, intimidating as hell to say the least, dude. All right, guys, that is uh, that's Bellator 249. Best of luck to Logan Neal. We'll recap all that next week. Let's finish things off with our UFC Fight Night preview. It is Saturday night on uh, Fight Island again. It's the ESPN Plus card. We're headlined by uh, what to me is one of my favorite fights on Fight Island at this go, honestly. And it's the Korean Zombie. Chan Sung Young taking on Brian Ortega, T-City. Been out two years, man, since he took a pretty good beating at the hands of Max Holloway. He's bitten off a big one here for his comeback fight. Korean Zombie's hot, man. Knocked out Frankie Edgar, knocked out Moicano. Uh, man, just coming in hot. And, uh, man, I, I, I'm for T-City, guys. I want to see him win. I'm a fan, but, man, I, I don't feel great about it. Uh, Justin. Yeah, man, I hate this fight. Honestly, I mean, I love it and I hate it because I love both guys. Um, you know, I think obviously if it stays on the feet, I think Korean Zombie, um, you know, takes this fight pretty easily. But Brian, Brian's gonna try to get to the ground, and yeah. and Korean Zombie, he has the jujitsu to keep it neutral there. You know. Um, so I think right this moment, if I'm having to go with somebody, I'm going with Korean Zombie just because um, he has the ability to keep it neutral on the ground, and I think that he has the advantage on the feet. Uh, but I hate that man. <laughs> I love I love Ortega. Uh, he's coming off of his first loss of his career um, against Max, and you know that fight took place uh, completely on the feet. And if if Chan Sung Jung can keep it there, I think that he wins this fight. But um, 
even if they go to the ground, I think it's it's a tough fight for Ortega. Chan Sung Jung knows what he's doing and um, is a tough fight. But I think right now I'm going with Chan Sung Jung. All right, Greg, your thoughts on this one, man. I, You know, T-City's come from behind many times when you think that he's on the verge of defeat to pull something out. So you can never count him out. He's always going to fight for your money, uh, which I love about him. But it's a tough one here, man, because I'm afraid the zombie hits harder than Max. Uh, man, Ortega, I'm a big TCD fan too, man, but, uh, the Korean zombie, uh, Brian Ortega is a tough son of a bitch and and he's there to be hit the whole time and he's going to get hit. And there's this problem in this fight. He's just going to dance with him. And I don't, he's not, he doesn't have like great takedowns. I mean, he's rough. He's a brawler, but I'm saying that if you're going to be open to get hit, you know, Korean zombie's not the guy you want to stand in front of and, and open up. With that being said, Brian Ortega is a beast. He's a warrior. Uh, you never know. You don't ever know. And uh, like we were talking about with uh, Korean Zombie, a year was it year Rodriguez? I haven't got a chance to look over yeah. a whole lot of these. But it was yeah, Rodriguez. Rodriguez uh, you knocked him out with like a crazy like one final. second or some shit. Like I got spinning back out, like he hit that upward elbow from the back, yeah. and uh, that was the only time in that whole fight that I saw uh, you know Korean Zombie. A flaw in the fight. That's the only time he flawed, and he just let loose just a little early, and he ended it. And I was just like, "Wow, that was crazy." But that being said, I don't know yet if I'm going to pick Ortega or if I'm going to pick uh, Green Zombie here because this is this isn't even a fight in my opinion, and I'm not so sure. If if it got into my head, I'm I'm, I'm taking I'm taking Green Zombie. I mean, but Brian Ortega is 14 and one, and the problem with this fight is that the the, the blueprint has been laid out to beat him, but you're going to have to fucking literally beat beat the shit out of him to, to finish him. So I just want to see. With that being said. There is some, um, is there not some like, uh, there's an altercation with these two, like one one of uh, Sung Hung's friends and Brian Ortega yeah. got into it. There's like a trans. So there's a little heat. Yeah, there's some heat in here and they got into an argument or a fight, some kind of deal on the, one of the USC cards. So, because I remember when they did that little white in the face off that one time and he held up that little piece of paper that said, I love you in, in, uh, in, in Chinese or whatever it was, Korean. And, um, and now I don't think there's gonna I don't think there's gonna be so much respect involved in this fight anymore as there was gonna be for the former for the first time they were supposed to fight. So uh, obviously anxious to see this one. Co-main event, um, new co-main event. I guess our original co-main event was scrapped. Cyril Gone was supposed to uh, was supposed to be in the co-main event, but uh, his opponent uh, ended up uh, not being able to get out of his PFL contract or some such. So it is now what should have been the co-main event all along, and that is the flyweight debut of Jessica Andrade moving up from 115 to 125 um, after a, a failed title run down there, uh, taking on Caitlin Chukadian, who, uh, you know, coming off a, a very, uh, very good win over Shevchenko, uh, not the best that Shevchenko, that was, uh, it was Antonita, Antonita, uh, Shevchenko, but she looked good. Uh, hard fight to call here, man, because I feel like Andrade is, you know, she, she's, she's going to be giving up so much reach and height to Kagan and Chukagan's really good about moving around and using her distance and just kind of pecking away. So, uh, I can definitely see Chukagan as the underdog here getting a decision win. Uh, if Andrade isn't able to get in tight and get the takedowns or land a big one, uh, Justin. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, <clears throat> Andrade moving up and, and fighting basically the number one contender uh, at the next weight class is, is a little more than she should bite off uh, right away. But 
I think Chukagian, like you said, is too long um, and uh, too big. So I, I think that that even if even if Andrade, you know, Andrade's best best bet is to to uh, get it to the ground. But I think Chukagian wins there. She's just too big, too strong. Um, so yeah, I, I'm 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 taking Chukagian here as the underdog. Greg, you got to lean here. I have to. I'm gonna have to lean on Drake. I mean, you're looking at a you know, former champion, but, but mm-hmm. she's going up in weight. She's going up in weight, but being and, 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 and that bitch is powerful, man. I mean, she is mean. Oh, yeah. With yeah, that she, being said, though, she, she tends to throw herself out before the even second round really starts, and then she's just kind of huffing and puffing the whole fight, which makes me think that she can get her on the ground and do work, you know. And that's one thing I worry about. But if you know, have to bet on him, I'm going to go with Jess Andre. Hey, Greg. Yes, sir. You gonna put a hundred bucks on it? On what? What's the bet? Right here on you the podcast. You take you take Andrade. By what? Just to win, I guess. Yeah, pick them. Nah, we'll see about it. <laughs> no, we're on the we're we'll live. On I just the lost five hundred dollars. You piece of shit. I'm not trying to lose any more this week. <laughs> we're live on the podcast. How it's a hard one to call. How sure of your pick are you? <laughs> I don't know, Justin's fucked up ass. Every time you fucking pick against him tonight, he's going to put a hundred bucks on it. I already know it's coming all night with him. No, just this one. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> the answer's we'll no. We'll see about it. Yeah. Rounding out the main card, we've got Modestus Bukalkis uh, making his return uh, to the UFC, and he's taking on Jimmy the Brute Crew at 205. We've got uh, Claudio Silva taking on a late replacement, James Krause. Uh, James Krause also did a late replacement uh, back against uh, Trevin Giles um, a couple months back, and uh, he lost a decision there. And I've got him at this underdog again here against Silva, but it could be a good fight. And then we've got Thomas Almeida, who's been out of couple years he at one time was like a big deal you know he's like 22 and 0 or some shit and he lost to cody garbrandt and he hasn't quite been the same he's been out a minute and he was supposed to fight last week and his opponent had covid so now he's fighting jonathan martinez at 135 that'll be a pretty good little fight uh that's the rest of the main card justin anything stand out um man i love the james kraus and claudio silva i think james kraus is one of the most underrated coaches in the game right now. Um, and he's, he's trying to get in where he fits in and taking fights on short notice just to just stay active and and uh, to keep his name relevant. Um, and I like him in this fight. Claudio Silva is, is very dangerous, but um, I like James Krause here. Thomas Almeida and uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Martinez is, is going to be a, a wild fight. I, I think Almeida is... A, is a little uh, more advanced than, than Martinez pretty much everywhere. Um, so I like I made it in this fight. All right. And then we've got the undercard, the prelims. It is the debut of Matus Gamrot, who apparently is a pretty hot prospect from Poland. He's 17 and 0. 155 are taken on uh, Guram Kutalads. Kutate Lods. Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, we got flyweight women, Jillian Robertson taking on Pollyanna Botelio. We've got uh, Jun Young Park and a middleweight fight against John Phillips, the brawler from uh, the Welsh brawler. He always is uh, going to come to throw down, um, but, but he's been losing a lot lately. He, was, uh, he lost to Kamzat Chimaev, if you guys remember, in his first fight. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Ferris Zayam takes on Jamie Malarkey. We, last time we saw Malarkey, he was in a damn war with Brad Riddell, and he lost. <laughs> he was like, he was game uh, as fuck. I liked watching him fight. And then we've got uh, uh, Gad Zidmarad and Tigulov taking on Maxine Grisham. And then the first bout is uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov, no relation to Khabib, uh, taking on Mark Striegel. Kind of uh, international, uh, if you if you will, just yeah, <clears throat> we've seen uh, Said a few times. Um, uh, the only one that I would look out for is uh, Julian Robinson. Greg, anybody on this undercard uh, of note to you, or is this all just a bunch of fucking hodgepodge? This Gamrock guy I'm reading is yeah. uh, the real deal. That's what I, I was going to say. A Gamrock guy, he looks uh, – we'll see. We'll see on this level. Uh Jillian Robertson, I'll leave all the girl fights to, uh, to Justin because he's good with those and he wants to bet on all those. I don't want to talk right now about that. Uh, yeah, John Phillips is the one you said that got beat by Kamzat. Yeah, that was his first Kazmat. fight. Yeah, that was his first fight. Yeah, he, yeah. he ran through it. He went to, went to the second round. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that guy's the UFC caliber fighter. Uh, well, uh, so I would probably fade him here again uh, against Park and – the rest of them, I like Grisham, but I'm telling you right now, man, that's a, you know, we've got a Russian versus a Russian here. We don't get to see a whole lot of that, so I'm anxious to see that. And you're going to see a finish there, probably. Likely you will. And Tigulov's, uh, like, brutally bad sometimes. Yeah, that's that's why. I'm just wondering how, how he's ranked 40th in the world, yeah. worldwide. And, like, he just but, let Paul, Paul, uh, Paul Craig just triangle the fuck out of him with no problem last time. Like, and he just, what? he's he's one that I really can't get on ever. Yeah, I actually was looking at his uh, every everything. His last three fights, he's lost uh, in the first round. Mm. Before that, every single fight that he won was in the fucking first round, nearly. Like, I mean, so if you're looking for a bet to make, I, I'm gonna have to go with uh, this fight right here. Does not go the distance and put whatever the hell you want on it because it <laughs> will not go the distance. Um, and now, along with that, I also would like to say that the uh, the, the main event goes over two and a half. Um, as far as the rest of it, uh, Claudia, uh, Claudio Silvia and James Krause, I, I, and, and, I, and I heard uh, other other things about, you know, Claudio Silvia is 38 years old and yeah. he might be a little long in the tooth, but James Krause is 34. I mean, he's not a young buck either, so you got to look at that. And um, But I don't think that that spot maybe goes to decision either. It could, it could not, but I would go for Krause as well there. Excellent, excellent. Uh, well, uh, we will we will recap this next week along with the Bellator uh, fight. We'll get a, a check in from Greg and find out how the whole experience went with Logan in the corner taking on Aviv Ghazali. Uh, appreciate Logan for uh, joining us this evening uh, in a great interview with him. Best of luck to him. Thanks so much to my, uh, Greg Hopkins as well. For my co-host, that's, that's, uh, Justin Watson, that's going to do it for this evening, folks. We appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google, all those good places. And uh, we will be back next week with another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm Tim Lloyd. We're out. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Greatest knockouts in UFC history. Of course, Daniel, this has become kind of a, a big talking point over the past couple of days. So I just went to Tapology. So they have a list of the greatest knockouts in UFC history. So obviously, 
They have not updated this. So I'm, I'm just going to give you what their top 10 is. Number 10, Randy Couture versus Leona Machida back at UFC 129. Number 9, Jorge Massal versus Ben Askren at UFC 239. Number 8, Francis Ngannou versus Alistair Overeem at UFC 218. Number 7, Holly Holm versus Ronda Rousey at UFC 193. Number 6 goes back to 2007 at UFC 70, Gabriel Gonzaga defeating Mirko Krokop. Number 5, Conor McGregor TKOing Jose Aldo at UFC 194. Number 4, Quentin Jackson's knockout against Arona at uh, Pride in 2004. Number 3, Anderson Silva defeating Vitor Belfort, UFC 126. Number two, Edson Barboza defeating Terry Edom at UFC 142. And their number one, which obviously Buckley's not on this list yet, is Dan Henderson versus Michael Bisping, UFC 100. Oh, that's a good list, and it's a good synopsis of some of the great knockouts we've had. And I, I think, look, the Buckley knockout was amazing. It was truly legendary. It was the type of knockout that transcends the MMA community. It's the type of knockout where people who don't even watch MMA probably saw it on their Twitter timeline. It, it went that viral. You have people being like, whoa, what the heck was this? Out of a karate movie. His foot is caught and he spins around and does a, a spinning kick. I thought this only works in movies or professional wrestling, but apparently can knock out top level middleweights as well. So this was a big time, big time moment. Uh, as far as knockouts of all time, I think this knockout put itself on that list the mma report with jason floyd and daniel galvan can be found on apple podcasts stitcher tune in radio google podcasts and radioinfluence.com